Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Clayton, and we're men who like men who like movies. Two queer men who love movies, love talking about movies, and after a lot of urging, we started a podcast. Sean, what did you make us watch this week? Yeah, so this week I wanted to kind of lighten things up. We've kind of gone a little bit heavy um, with the big chill. So I wanted something that was also a lot of big fun and kind of head to the 80s a little bit, which I know is your favorite, your favorite Mm. decade. (laughs) It's starting to be. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but this one is, uh, it's just a lot of fun. This is, uh, Big Trouble in Little China from 1986. And I just, I have a lot of fun with this movie. I'm a huge Carpenter fan. I love John Carpenter's movies. Uh, and this is, it's not my favorite, but I love this movie. And we do have a special guest here to help us out today. Um, the first car on our tired train. Uh, we've got Jeff Webb, comedian. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Hello. And How you one doing, of my ma'am? favorite people from college. So, yeah, I'm yes. so glad you can be here with us. I just love that our past couple movies, we had The Big Chill, and we've got, you know, Big Trouble. We had Little Women, and now Little China. We're really, uh, you know, it fits. Yeah, I was going to say, I honestly did pick this movie for that reason. Jesus, <laughs> you, realize you and that, your right? fucking puns. Jeff, <laughs> so glad you're I here. I love it. What's your relationship to this movie, and why did you pick it? I was going to have you come on for a Bond movie, and you were like, um, actually. <laughs> so, uh, Big Trouble in Little China is objectively my favorite movie of all time. Um, I love that. And it's yeah, it's up there. Like, it's tied. I always say it's it's it depends on the day, but it's tied with Big Lebowski. So, I guess just the word big is the thing that's uniform. <laughs> but, uh no, I love this movie, and to be honest with you, when we talked about it, like, we talked about this a while ago, because uh, you guys schedule out pretty far in advance, and... We do. <laughs> I I remember, uh, like, probably about a week ago, I was like, okay, I got this podcast coming up, I know it's a John Carpenter-Kurt Russell collaboration, fuck it, I'm just gonna watch every single John Carpenter-Kurt Russell collaboration before this podcast, just to make sure I'm prepared. Like, I was like, I could ask Clayton what movie we're doing, but I'm just gonna watch them all. I honestly, that sounds like such a good time. I love the, every one of their collaborations. <laughs> yeah, this is three, uh, yeah, this three is definitely the weirdest. Last night, Jeff texts me and it's like, "Hey, uh, what movie are we talking about?" <laughs> I waited I like that long. It, it didn't matter at that point. I'd seen them all. I was ready, but yeah. uh, I was like, "Yeah, I should know." <laughs> I know. I've Just seen surprise I... when we announced the title. You know, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, you really couldn't have gone wrong with any of them. I, I am a huge fan of Carpenter, and I think his collaborations with Kurt Russell are among his best, um, if not his best, in my opinion. Of course, The Thing is my second favorite film of all time. That and... movie is uh, just perfect in every way. Yep, it really is. I will like... say, yes, The Thing is amazing. Just watched that yes. recently on 4K, and it was just wonderful. Jeff, do you remember that time we had that party when we were at Purdue and that, that chick was on bath salts at your apartment and took like six cops to take her down? <laughs> I do remember that because I was underage and there were a lot of other people at that party that were underage and we were just hiding in my friend's bedroom <laughs> in the basement. And the thing is, you were not underage, but you were also hiding with us. Well, yeah, because I would have gotten in trouble because I was an adult. 
yeah, it, yeah, it was very funny. Like you were hiding there. Uh, there were several other people in the bedroom. There was one girl that was laying in the bed, puking in a bucket, trying to keep quiet. It was hilarious. Yeah, great memory, great times, <laughs> core memory, core yeah. memory. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that honestly, it sounds like fun. <laughs> oh, it was a great time until she tried to bite somebody's face off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say that uh that doesn't sound great but the rest of it sounded fun <laughs> normally yeah, i you know very much do drugs have fun but bath salt just mm, yeah well you've seen firsthand the uh zombie effect apparently of them so yes <laughs> it <laughs> was kind like of impressive a... the amount of cops it took to take down this like 90 pound girl Jesus. well i think my favorite part about that whole thing was she left my apartment walked next door and then kicked the door down to the next door apartment. <laughs> like I'm talking like tango and cash, like crazy shit, kick the door down. Uh, shit. and then through the walls, like the, we, we lived in a shitty apartment and the walls were just paper thin. So you could just hear into your neighbor's apartment. So the only thing that we heard screamed extremely loudly through the walls was you do not kick a police officer. And then uh, she was carried out like, like just a rolled up rug afterward. It was just, it's over now. You're, you're basically in a rolled up rug. We're throwing you in the trunk. Yeah. Good times. Uh, college. Boy, Honestly, how have you guys not written a screenplay that made a million dollars off of this? Because we're yeah. fundamentally lazy, Sean. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, big time. <laughs> yeah that's that sounds about right uh for me too i didn't mean for you guys <laughs> not trying to read you first thing in the morning um <laughs> oh no you're good I just, i'll admit that i'm fundamentally lazy at this time uh so clayton uh you didn't really have a relationship with this film this is your first time watch and i already know how you feel about it <laughs> yes this was a first time watch and you know I don't know that there will be a second one. I think that you're just going to be a bitch because you know we love this movie. <laughs> Honestly, that does sound correct. <laughs> that is not entirely true. There are a lot of movies that I thought I was going to hate that Sean has suggested, and I've been very pleasantly surprised that this was uh, not one of them. <laughs> well, you also didn't give it the two, so... Uh, absolutely not. I actually had my alarm set to be able to give it a, sub a second watch and since I was up for like three hours after the movie just being furious I uh just preemptively was like absolutely not see it's funny I you I, I I just don't understand your fury towards it like is this a perfect movie no but it is a ton of fun like and it's one of the few where your your main character is literally an idiot and the main character isn't really the main character. Exactly. Yeah. The, the action hero of this one is Wang Chi. Who's like fantastic. Exactly. I loved Wang. And I also I know love you Wang, love Wang. You know. <laughs> I just remember what podcast I was on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I... So, I take it... Jeff, you and I would recommend this, and for Clayton, it sounds like it's going to be hard pass. <laughs> so I actually like, would yeah. recommend this to people really? I hate. Yeah, there it is. 
I think I think look, here's the thing about this movie. Um I think that it is it it perpetually even to this day somehow still marketed even from friend to friend uh probably not correctly. It's it's I mean, you know, I don't exactly know how to peg this movie. Like is it a sci-fi movie? Is it a fantasy movie? Is it a kung fu movie? Is it um it's definitely not a horror movie. It's not a comedy. Uh, it might be an action movie. So the fact that I'm sitting here right now struggling to be able to tell you what the genre of my favorite movie is, uh, how the fuck do you think that marketing department felt, you know, 30, 40 years ago when they were like, what the fuck? Like, do we, is Kurt Russell the main character or is he the bumbling sidekick? What is the deal in this movie? What is it a comedy? So they just were like, fuck it. Let's act. Let's let's market it like it's an action comedy, and uh, I don't uh, I don't know if that's exactly what it is. I also feel bad for the marketing team, and apparently, <laughs> it'll come yeah, up. There's they... notes about this, but uh, yeah. I don't think the script knows what kind of movie it is. To be clear, so anyway, <laughs> I think that uh, that's that's the thing about this movie. I think that it's it also doesn't know what it wants to be, but also fuck you. It has everything. It has romance, it has action, it has drama, um, it has sick kung fu scenes, it has a scene where a semi-truck drives through James Hong. It's a fantastic film. I'm going to fight this the entire time we're here. You know, I'm really, uh, genuinely, I'm glad you guys love it. And I was looking through my letterbox and I was like, I want to see yeah. how my film people feel about this. <laughs> and... Uh, <What? laughs> Watching just the notes. across the board, people love this movie. Like I was yes. genuinely shocked at the amount of five stars and like four and a half out of five that I saw. I think the lowest thing out of all my mutuals, and I mean these are film critics, like the lowest one I think I saw was three out of five. Maybe there was a two and a half, but yeah, I was flabbergasted, honestly. Did you go into actually what the details were on the reviews, and do you remember specifically what you didn't like or didn't agree with? Um, not a lot of them had necessarily left reviews on it, and Letterbox is one of those things. They don't leave, like, reviews. I think somebody was like, this is so much fun. I love whatever uh, the journalist lady or her performance is doing. Like, it's just little stuff. It wasn't, like, a full-on review thing. I'm just saying these are, like, film critics and stuff that I follow sure. on Letterboxd. Letterboxd is one of those sure. things. People don't generally leave, like, review reviews on it. Um, so I was just more looking at, like, the star ratings. It's it's like a universe. Well, nowadays. I mean, it's a cult classic, right? But, um, but nowadays it's, like, universally retroactively looked upon as just a fun movie and you know what if you start to pick it apart and you start to do your fucking film snob bullshit uh <laughs> you will absolutely find flaws with this movie because there are a trillion of them uh but ellis gray is in the movie and i think that that should be enough to fall in love with it and her future film debut exactly I mean, honestly the one aspect that i genuinely did really love about this and um the entire reason for the rating that I did give it <laughs> was just because I loved Wang. I thought he was like a movie star. He was wonderful. Genuinely loved every single moment with him. Everything else I just didn't work for me. I've never wished I wasn't out of weed more in my life. 
so that's your first problem. Um, yep. <laughs> I think that uh, <laughs> I think that you watched this movie uh, without any kind of mind altering substances, and I'm not saying that's on you, um, but that's but you saw the poster of this movie. Yeah, you saw the poster of this movie. I did, and honestly, I own this movie. So oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, I didn't pay money for it. It's one of those things. Uh, I always sign up for stuff like digital things. Like once you buy a certain amount of like whatever Sony movies, for instance, you know, they'll throw you a free one out of a list of, you know, you can pick one. And apparently this was like the only one that looked remotely familiar. I'm like, hey, it's a John Carpenter movie with Kurt Russell. And I bought it year or chose it years ago and just never watched it. And then when Sean put this in the list, I was like, hey. It'll get some use finally. And now I'm like, man, can I delete this out of my voodoo? Uh, but I'm very excited to talk about it with you guys today. And maybe you'll I don't me think over. you are. I don't think you are. Here's what I think is going to happen. And I'm only doing this because it's kind of early and I'm kind of bitchy. Um, <laughs> you are you are just going to like do your little quippy things. And we're going to be like, wow, this part's really, really great. And you're just going to be like, I wish I could delete it from my voodoo like six more fucking times. <laughs> 14 minutes. Oh, I'm 14 a- minutes into this podcast and I'm already annoyed. I think you're. I think you're undershooting it. I think he's gonna say it nine times. Oh my god! Um, like I, like I said, it's we have like a minimum. Like we've like we're not even halfway through, and I'm already annoyed at how much of a bitch he's being. I love us when we're sleepy. It's great. Well, now that we've got our recommendation thoughts, uh, you guys ready to get into this? Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, so a little bit of production directed by John Carpenter, written by Gary Goldman, David Z. Weinstein, and W.D. Richter. And actually, this was an original credit for Gary Goldman and David we- David Weinstein. They actually wrote the original screenplay. W.D. Richter was actually brought in at- to do rewrites, and the studio wanted to knock Goldman and Weinstein off of the credit. But the Writers Guild of America came in and said, no, this was their original screenplay, but W.D. Richter was added. Yeah, he got, like, what, an adaptation credit or something weird? Yeah, I think so. But, honestly, this is why we need the Writers Guild of America. <laughs> yep. Um, so, a little bit of uh, production history. Um, the film was originally conceived as a western in which a gunslinger rides into town and finds himself ingrained in a war between good and evil. So this originally was planned out as in the original script was a full Western. And I love the idea of that. I think it's something that would be even more balls to the wall than than this is. (laughs) What do you guys think? I kind of, uh, I want to see that movie, but you know, gonna be like an entire episode of size from jeff and i love this it's Um, look i think that yes it is gonna be an entire episode of size um (laughs) but i i think that you know even if even if they did go away from the original premise it is wonderful because we have an hour and a half long movie filled with kurt russell doing a john wayne impression yep i love kurt russell i will say he is the most heterosexual man that has ever existed but i it's ever lived yeah like honestly, I <laughs> I started the movie and at some point I'm just like I've never really thought about this before, but yes, um, like that man's I, cock is constantly wearing a cowboy hat. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good for you, Goldie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why he never got. That's why they never got married. Couldn't be tied down. Yeah. She still. She roped the Bronco, but she didn't. She didn't put a ring on it. That's okay. He still looks good. I think that we should acknowledge that. Like he's yeah, absolutely yeah, he aged exceptionally he plays, gracefully. He's literally the sexiest Santa. <laughs> by far, by far, he puts Tim <laughs> Allen to shame. I, Tim Allen is just doing more cocaine, but this time sadly because he knows that he can never be as sexy as Santa as Kurt Russell. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, John Carpenter envisioned the film as an inverse of traditional scenarios in action films, with a Caucasian protagonist helped by a minority sidekick. Jack Burton, dis- despite his bravado, he is portrayed as rather bumbling. Wang Chi, on the other hand, is constantly portrayed as highly skilled and competent, and I love that. That the basically the dude. This is this is Wang Chi's story. Yeah, he's essentially the the action hero, <laughs> but he's kind of seen as like the sidekick. <laughs> I did enjoy that detail. I wish they had fleshed it out a little bit more, but I did really enjoy that he was kind of a dipshit and Wang Chi was getting shit done. Well, but I mean, even in, and we'll get into it more, but that's a lot of how this movie goes. Like in later on, you make a note that says, why is he taking charge? He has no idea about any of this. And like, that's the point is like Jack, uh, he's Jack Burton is a, is a satire of action heroes. Like he's taking charge, but he's really kind of an idiot. He doesn't know exactly what he's going to do. And what he does do, sometimes that doesn't even work out either. I think that also um, you could really just point to Jack Burton's character and just be like, well, here it is. This is an entire movie that's just, this is this is white guy shit. This is this is white guy doing white guy shit. Well, you're going to be the savior. so much. Oh, God, of course it did. <laughs> I love that white guy shit. That's great. <laughs> Like just hardcore white guy shit. Just look, I'm taking over now. All right, partner. I got a gun, then I'm gonna knock myself out with it somehow. Yes. <laughs> Circle up the wagons, pilgrim. Exactly. <laughs> uh, John Carpenter and Kurt Russell explained on the audio commentary that the test screening was so overwhelmingly positive that both of them expected it to be a big hit. However, 20th Century Fox put little into promoting the movie, and it ended up being a box office bomb. In addition, the movie was released in the midst of the hype for Aliens, which was released 16 days afterwards. However, it went on to become a huge cult hit through home video, and Carpenter and Russell explained that the reason the studio did little to promote the film was because they simply didn't know how to promote it. Which, fair. <laughs> I, you know what? Fair. Actually, yes, I'll agree. That's in, yeah, entirely fair. Yeah. Sean, uh, your favorite movie killed this one. I am not proud of that fact, but my favorite movie of all time is still my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry for Charles, everyone Wilson. who's ever listened yells, we know! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good pick in all fairness. Yeah, Thank it you. is. Aliens is great. <laughs> I just watched it right before Halloween again. It's just fantastic. Paul Reiser is a complete piece of shit. Yes. It's just everything. And like you said, how this movie has a little bit of everything. That's also a movie that has a little bit of everything. It's it got has drama. everything. Yeah. The only thing it doesn't have is Kung Fu. 
<laughs> Which that's why this movie's a little better than Aliens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> Jeff, a little bit of backstory. Our first full length episode was on Aliens, and Sean got like if you go back and listen to our ratings on that, you can hear Sean get so pissed because I gave it four and a half out of five instead of five stars. <laughs> That's hilarious. Why uh, we, we're not? This isn't an aliens podcast, but I gotta ask, what made you? In, in just succinctly, why didn't you give it the full five stars? Just to piss me off. It that's, was all right. That's what I expected. I I don't remember why. You were like the little girl. I like aliens. So annoying. The little she girl. is annoying. I, I want, can't stand Newt. But I think wrong. Alien is the superior film. Oh just, no, disagree entirely. And that's fine. I love uh, yeah. difference of opinions. But yeah, I prefer, I'm more of a horror person. So like, I prefer that makes perfect the original sense, yeah. Alien to Aliens. So that was pretty much why. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, they're literally, that's literally a horror movie. Aliens 2 is Action. not that, or yeah. Aliens 2. I'm calling it Aliens 2. That's <laughs> we know it's, it's, it's early. It's early. <laughs> I'm going to get the dab rig going so this can get a better, we can make this podcast a You are better. so lucky. Like, you know, try to just like blow it through the mic at me so I can maybe like get a residual thing from Illinois, you know. I'm intensely disappointed that you are sober right now. I'm, dude, me too. It doesn't happen often. Unfortunately, it's with you, Jeff. <laughs> I, it doesn't, yeah. yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and also, I know we're not talking about aliens, but... <laughs> One thing that always surprises me is that the fact that you don't like it more strictly because they may they give Ripley way more to do clean. Like she's a fully fleshed out like she's a fully fleshed out character in the first one, but you don't learn a lot about her. And then in this one it's much more of a journey in aliens. So it just it surprises me. It feels a little bit more up your alley. But you you are a big horror guy, so I guess it makes I sense. I am. A horror horror. Uh, that is true. I am a horror horror. <laughs> <laughs> Our next podcast, Horror Horrors. Um, honestly, that'd be a great title for I a blog. I do love that title. If we had gone with like, strictly horror, but I didn't want to be boxed in, Horror Horrors is a fantastic podcast title. Anybody that wants to start First a horror guest. podcast, you know, feel free. There you go. First guest, Daniel Harris. Uh, oh, yes. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> Also, this is two podcasts I've named now. <laughs> uh, back to Big Trouble in Little China. Problems began to arise when John Carpenter learned that The Golden Child, which also came out in 1986, featured a similar theme and was going to be a release around the same time. And as it happened, Carpenter was asked by Paramount Pictures direct that, to direct that film. He remarked in an interview, how many adventure pictures dealing with Chinese mysticism have been released by major studios in the last 20 years? For two of them to come along at the exact same time is more than a mere coincidence. To beat the rival production that was being released in theaters, uh, Big Trouble went into production in October 1985, so it could open in July 1986, five months before The Golden Child's Christmas release. You know, I find that really odd about movies. Like, there are so many times that, like, you won't see something and then like two movies that are so similar will come out and you're just like oh my favorite is the aquatic horror of 1989 
I generally think of like the Prestige and whatever the other one that did not do well. Oh, the the Prestige uh, and the other one. Yeah. Oh my God, the or like Deep Impact and Armageddon. Yes. Um, my favorite is the Aquatic Horror one of 1989, where it was like Deep Star Six, The Abyss, Leviathan, Lords of the Deep. (laughs) Like it was a full space of aquatic horror movies made. Well, this this phenomenon also happened. Like, it's like the second time, I can't remember exactly the timeline of releases, but the exact same thing happened to John Carpenter with The Thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he had to deal with the fact that E.T. was released around the same time, and it turns out nobody nobody wanted to deal with the the headless, crazy dog, tentacle, crawling head crab when they could just cuddle E.T. with his light-up finger. You know, honestly, I find E.T. creepier. I do. Then the thing? The yeah. thing is horrifying, but E.T. just with his little finger, I feel like he's just gonna like molest you. Okay, I don't like yeah. it. Dude, I don't need a I don't need a light up prostate check. You know what I mean? I don't need <laughs> it to be lit. At I that mean it's point. easier to see something's wrong, I guess, but Yeah, um... that's true. <laughs> I mean I don't need it. I would take it in all fairness. I'll try anything twice. Uh, um, yeah, it, I mean it does seem like it would be kind of fun, but yeah, it's you know also it just very be? disturbing. You know it would and be, E.T.'s just What? <laughs> it would be lit. Ah, thank you. But thank like you. he's thank also always with children, and I just am like, mm. and anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hot take: E.T. the horror movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is a horror movie. <laughs> it is though that like that scene where they first find like when Elliot first finds him, like that's a suspenseful scene. That's creepy. I, I don't like aliens, so. Like I do, like Sean. You fucking love alien movies. I do, but they're the one thing that terrifies me. They do terrify you, and I don't understand. I don't find alien stuff scary. They're the one thing that, like, you know, you can outwit a killer. Like you could, like Jason. Like (laughs) not according to a lot of the horror movies I've seen. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah, but I know. But like, you have a chance there. But like, aliens are just so like like most of them at least are so like far past everything we've done like they're it's just how do you win against someone who's so far technologically and sometimes they're all portrayed mentally as, like, superior. superior yeah yeah like <laughs> so that's one of the reasons i'm like nope don't like them i just want to know if they've they're got good health care honestly like <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they are. <laughs> I'm sure they are all very healthy and coming, and are allowed to. They don't have to spend any of their hard-earned money <laughs> on. Maybe they're like so evolved they don't need money because money isn't real anyway. Right, like Star Trek. <laughs> like Star Trek, it's the same thing. Yeah, like Star Trek, everyone's kind of evolved past, like like monetary needs like you get what you need all right back to big trouble (laughs) uh production (laughs) designer john j lloyd designed the elaborate underground sets and recreated chinatown with three-story buildings roads streetlights sewers and so on this was necessary for the staging of complicated special effects and kung fu fight sequences that would have been very hard to do on location and it forced the filmmakers to shoot the film in 15 weeks with a 25 million dollar budget and John Carpenter notes the flack he got while making this film. 
According to him, the Asian community were upset because he was a white director making a movie about Chinese mythology and culture. Uh, because Asians shouldn't have light coming out of their mouths, joked Kurt Russell. The two do agree in all sincerity that Dennis Dunn, who plays Wang, is the hero of the movie, and Jack Burton is the buffoon. Yeah. Which is which is wild to me, um, because I think that if you look at his credits, I mean, he has a couple other exper- uh, a couple other appearances with John Carpenter in John Carpenter films. I think he might be in the Mouth of Madness. Um, or one of the other, uh, the Mouth of Madness or Prince of Darkness. He's in Darkness. Prince of Darkness. Is that what he's in? Okay, so yeah. he, this was a phenomenal display for him. I think that, like, uh, yeah, God, he's in, like, a Mickey Rourke movie. He's in a Mickey Rourke movie, what is it, Dragon? And You're the Dragon? What the hell is it called? Anyway, it's terrible, but it's, this was a phenomenal display for him, and I think that he put it out there. I think that he is the star of this movie. Kurt Russell's his sidekick, but then it just, career-wise just goes nowhere for him and I, I mean it could be one of those things where the guy's like oh man you know did a couple movies i'm gonna go live a quiet life and enjoy my family or you know just couldn't find any footing but i think after this movie you you probably could have been able to find some footing yeah <laughs> can i make a really shitty comment <laughs> i was waiting for it i don't know how this movie did not kill everyone involved's career how does it feel to be like such a uh, uh, like <laughs> how does it feel distinct to be minority? <laughs> like yeah, like how does it feel to be just such a distinct minority in all of your beliefs on this film? And I know that they're very very new and fresh, but like, as a white man, it's really, kind yeah, of new oh, yeah. for me. You know, you are a gay white man though. True. So uh, you don't yeah, you don't I get just, all the privilege. I will say on the whole thing, I was I'm not generally bothered by cultural stereotypes and stuff it's not you know i'm not i am a white man so i don't necessarily pick up on like oh is this problematic or what are these stereotypes portraying and again this was in the 80s so whatever context but this movie i was just like "Mm, i don't know if i love this portrayal with you know white writers and a white director and stuff and it just made me feel kind of icky and I don't love that joke Kurt Russell made. Um, and with the Asian community being upset about this, I don't feel like I'm completely unfounded in that feeling. Anyway. I didn't come on this podcast to get canceled. <laughs> Jeff, you are a comedian. I'm pretty sure you can get canceled over a million other things. <laughs> Brother, it's been tried. It has been tried. <laughs> So I I don't know I I don't think it feels egregious to me. Um, I think this is also 1986. Yeah. It's like the fact that you essentially have it. Your hero is, you know, like the yes, Kurt Russell is the lead of this movie, but the main action hero is Dennis Dunn's Wang Chi, like, and he is full on action star while kurt russell is portrayed as uh, the moron you know what i mean he's the bumbling sidekick he's yeah he's he's the biggest star of it but he's not the action star i just think they could have made that a little bit more clear because in like, the marketing you mean? with huh do you mean like in the marketing 
Uh, no, because I don't think that would have worked in marketing because Kurt Russell would have been like the biggest star in it. I don't think that would have helped the film at all. But in the film proper, I think they could have made it more clear that Kurt Russell was playing the sidekick character. And I don't, like I know that was what they say is their intention and I'll go on what they're saying. But I don't think it comes through necessarily well, in the text as much. So I don't think he's meant I don't think he's meant to be the sidekick character. Like the movie is told from Jack's story. He's thrown into this world that he doesn't understand. Wang Chi just is the hero of the story. He he's so essentially Jack is Jack is also a satire of action movie heroes. And in action movies, you know, every hero will, like take charge of the situation and like bunch, you know, go in guns blazing. And that's what Jack does in this, and that's wrong. And, like, he, like, through the movie, constantly gets his ass kicked, his ideas are wrong, like, he's constantly being rescued, like, he's, it's, it's, for me at least, it shows that, yes, we, Jack is the main character, but, like, Jack also has no fucking clue what's going on here, (laughs) and, like, his ideas are generally wrong. <laughs> That's why I think that uh, I'm a little bit more okay with uh, kind of the problems that Clayton had is that you're right. The entirety of the movie is just, look, this white guy keeps fucking up. Come on, let's save him again over and over and over again. Um, and so it like all it absolutely eventually by way of the story and by way by way of the film, puts Dennis Dung, puts Wang Chi in the center of being that hero. But uh, from a production standpoint, uh, one of the early cuts of this movie didn't have that first scene with Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Egg Shen talking to the police officer about what had happened and the events that had conspired throughout the the film. And the studio actually said that they wanted a scene in there to make it a little bit more obvious that Jack Burton was the main focus of the film. Like that scene wasn't actually in there until post-production. That was a reshoot. Yeah. And that film, that scene, um, I, after watching it, cause I had seen that note and it does kind of stand out. It's so odd. And I think the movie would have been improved a little bit if it had just started out with him driving up. I think that the scene is just so benign, though. I mean, it's just, all right, you get a cute little teaser about Chinese black magic, and then you just go right into the beef of the story, which starts, I think, in true Carpenter fashion with just, you know, he he goes so light-handed on the exposition on the front end of his films, but in a way that's just so seamless to the entirety of what you want the picture to be. Like, he doesn't waste time with unnecessary and superfluous exposition. He just like, all right, I'm Jack Burton talking like John Wayne into a mic. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, Fucking and also, one of the things I, I also like about this is so many of these movies neglect what happens afterwards. Like, I know you don't care. You're, you finish the story. You're done. But I'm insane. So I like to think of what, how the fuck do they explain this? Like, how do you go and, like, <laughs> there was a bright green light that destroyed almost half of a city block. Come on, like, right? Like, how do you go and, how do you not, how do you go and explain these things without seeming insane and then going to jail for a long time? And it's nice to see. Sean, a, a, it was a gas leak. 
<laughs> oh yeah, it was it was a gas leak, yeah. Right. But like that's but they're still investigating it. They think and everyone says it's their like they're saying it's their fault essentially. And like Can we I be like really the... honest about the real world though. Do we think San Francisco really gave a shit about what happened in Chinatown? <laughs> I don't think that I you see natural disasters happen all the time and people don't give a shit regardless of where it's at. So I think exactly. this would just be another one. Right. And it was just but I mean, a city block. Exactly. The city would care. Sure, yeah, for like the, a minute for sure, yeah. Yeah, they would care a bit about the about who to blame for it. And that's, that's what the they're one. doing is they're scapegoating. <laughs> like so essentially I do like the idea that it, it I like that this starts off where you're just this is what happens after like he gets he has to get a lawyer like and this is probably what would happen in the real world like you wouldn't be able to explain this nobody's gonna believe it like you're kind of very carpenter it's a very carpenter-esque thing to to leave that uh, open-ended at the end of one of his films like just all right well we have no idea what's gonna happen next and we're not gonna think about it you can if you want to good luck like that's just a common trope like at the end of the thing when it's just kurt russell and keith david there and you don't know who's the thing who's not the thing like it's just carpenter being carpenter and it's amazing yeah it allows it allows the viewer to expend to essentially keep the story going on their own and i love that and it's the one thing i've always loved about carpenter is carpenter carpenter will spell out very little like he always allows people to his viewers to make a lot of their own decisions and it's it's one of the things i love about him as a filmmaker is he just he he won't spell everything out for you like sometimes you're gonna have to expend some thought to be able to think about it to to enjoy his movies not a ton like there are some some of his movies are you know a little bit more on the nose but you know there is always a thought process behind them. At least until 1989. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a, not a bad run. <laughs> good, yeah, good, 100%. Good, good, good 14 years or so. Right. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, I like Escape from L.A. A little. I think Escape from L.A. is better than Escape from New York. I've been biting my tongue so hard on this. So I saw Escape from New York a while back, or a while back, and I was so excited for it, and it just didn't work for me. I don't necessarily think it was bad, but it just, it was when I was trying to catch up on a bunch of 80s action franchises, and that's not what that movie is doing. No. So it just like, and that's what I thought it was going to be, which is on me, not the film, and it just... Fell flat on, you know, when I'm watching it and a bunch of, you know, diehards and Rambos and, you know, all that stuff. Lethal Weapon. But I was just like, oh, I'm really disappointed. But after that and this, I'm just like, is John Carpenter like a two hit wonder? <laughs> no, see, I think, uh, no, no, not at no, all. Not even close. Yeah, yeah, no, not at all. And I think you're absolutely wrong on your regard on Escape from New York, in my opinion. Um, this is another one of those where you're in the super minority. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm not often in the minority like this, so I kind of just want to like dig in my heels on this. But I do want to watch the other John Carpenter stuff. You know, I've never seen like Prince of Darkness. Uh, just fine. to kind of see what other 
things he's giving, but like Halloween, amazing. The thing, phenomenal. But I feel like a lot of the other John Carpenter stuff I've seen, I'm just kind of like, huh. Yeah. (laughs) And that's fair. I think that John Carpenter is a very specific flavor. And um, you definitely, I mean, like any director, you're going to get, you know, you know what his, you know, what his, his things are. You know what Scorsese's things are. And uh, you're going to get that across all the titles. But, uh, you know, he's definitely more chipotle key lime pie as opposed to new york cheesecake um is that a thing <laughs> no but I, that's just the it was the first weird thing that came to my mind yeah <laughs> i was like oh, i was that's... like both of these things sound just awful <laughs> exactly well you know see exactly see i picked it perfectly <laughs> um for a little bit more on john carpenter's um oeuvre at least i you haven't seen starman have you no i don't even know that i've heard of star well actually yes i have that sounds starman is one of john carpenter's only if not only film that was nominated for academy awards it is the Um, award you're fucking rigged so for sure right Mm -hmm. but i mean starman is really good it's a it's a really good love story like Ew. it's a it's a sci-fi love story. <laughs> um, Sean, you just keep making it sound worse and worse. Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen. Yeah, and it's actually really good. I think you actually. I, I do like Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen. That's what I'm saying. Like it's a you know I mean man, you can say what you want about John Carpenter, but Jeff Bridges puts on a fucking show in that movie. Yeah, he does. Uh, I mean. Prince of Darkness is fun, but the thing is, is uh, one thing I've noticed is you like your uh, John Carpenter is likes to do a lot of satires, at least in his films. Um, have you seen Assault on Precinct Thirteen? I can't remember. Yes, I liked it. That. Yeah, yeah, I remember. So like, yeah, you, yeah. So like, there's at least three films. So you've already we've already proved wrong. You're two. <laughs> I'm checking Letterbox just to see what because Assault exactly. on Precinct Thirteen is his highest rated film on Rotten Tomatoes. That movie's so fun. So good. I love how this this podcast. Yes, I gave is Assault just like on all the Precinct Thirteen. I gave it five stars. I yes. yeah loved loved that one. Yeah. The yeah. movie's amazing. Yes. And we'll get into that when we when I add it to the list and have you back on for it, Jeff. Hell yeah. <laughs> Just um, let me be the de facto carpenter guy. I love That's that. Fine. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm absolutely fine with that. Um I was gonna say, unfortunately somebody else is doing the thing, they beat me to it. Damn. <laughs> but my next one I add, because it's going to be me adding them, um, I will automatically put you down and then let you know <laughs> hell yeah man Alrighty, so back to big trouble um so the just to go into the cast a little bit um we've got kurt russell as jack burton who confessed in the dvd commentary that he was afraid of starting the movie because he had made a string of movies that had flopped at the be- at the box office and when he asked john carpenter about it he told kurt that it didn't matter to him he just wanted to make the movie with him Kurt seems like a good guy. And he also turned down the ro- lead role of Connor McLeod in Highlander to 
appear in this film. And both movies. You don't like Highlander? It's fine, but I, I, you know how I feel about this movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Um, and honestly, it wouldn't. I don't think Christopher Lambert would have been a star without Highlander, so we're good. No. Yeah. <laughs> We've got. I've Kim never Cattrall. seen Highlander, so I don't have any opinion on it. But yeah. Well, you've heard three people now in the last three weeks talk about I, it. I have. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do think you'd enjoy that one. Uh, no, I honestly, I don't even know if I'm going to recommend shit to you anymore because you just shit all over <laughs> Sean, you were doing so well. I literally just the other day before I watched this, I was like, man, you're picking really good movies. I'm coming around in the 80s. And then I watched this and I'm like, absolutely not <laughs> revoked. <laughs> anyway, the cast. <laughs> uh, we've got Kim Cattrall as Gracie Law. <laughs> the lawyer, Gracie Law. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love that. I it's just such a good character thing. Uh, the studio pressured John Carpenter to cast a rock star in the role of Gracie Law, Jack Burton's love interest and constant source of aggravation. For Carpenter, there was no question he wanted Kim Cattrall. The studio was not keen on the idea because at the time Cattrall was primarily known for raunchy comedies like Porky's and Police Academy. She was drawn to the movie because of the way her character was portrayed. I'm not screaming for help the whole time. I think the humor comes out of situations and my relationship with Jack Burton. I'm the brains and he's the brawn. And I just love that for Kim Cattrall. <laughs> I love Kim Cattrall. Oh God, she's wonderful. She's wonderful in everything, but I, I love her in this movie. Um, yes. She just is, is. Yes. And I think that, you know, yeah, she's Gracie Law, the lawyer. This character is so on the nose in just uh the entire time she's so on the nose the entire time there's just this force to her it's it's a bit much i love it i just she's she's just so uh, she does have that righteous fury down so well but like (laughs) she backs it up (laughs) she came in here to be a white savior and she's going to be god damn it anyway Well, I don't know if it's one thing about her is I don't think she's necessarily white savior. Like she's there to help them. Like, I think she feels like she's helping. Like, I don't think she's trying to necessarily, I think she's take charge attitude. I don't think she's trying to be a white savior, essentially. Like, you know, yes, we don't I know, know enough about her, honestly, to say that I just was. <laughs> Because I feel like when she's saving her friend Tara and they're back at the apartment after the back at Gracie's office and she's just like Tara deserved to have the several liberties to be able to make her own decisions. And I think that's that tells you a lot of who Gracie is like she's she's doing this to like so ever she thinks everyone deserves a chance essentially. Um, and we've got Dennis Dunn as Wang Chi, our action star. MVP uh, of the movie. Oh, by far. <laughs> then we have James Hong as David Lopan. And oh, honestly, Lo- Lopan is one of the best villains to ever come on film. Iconic character. Just so good. His his facial expressions are so scary. <laughs> I love and he it. just chews the scenery up in every like he is overacting and i i think in just the best way in every single scene 
And it's funny because this is our second uh, James Hong movie of the year, Clayton. Oh, what else was he in? Can you name the other one? Uh, clearly not. <laughs> uh, Wayne's World he... 2. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he is actually the grandfather in uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, yeah, he is. Oh, well, I mean, also, he's a million years older than that. So. He's well, also yeah. in a million things, too. Yeah, yeah I think his he's film credits a... are... That is a long and prolific list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got Victor Wong as Egg Shen, who this is also... Victor Wong is also in Prince of Darkness, too. Oh, so yes. him and Dennis Dunn both uh, do double duty with Kurt Russell right after this, because uh, Prince of Darkness is 87, I believe. I will say I do love a good actor director like relationship. So I do love that Kurt and John just had this whole big long film love affair. Mm-hmm. The, the well, first he actually does this. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and yes. the thing, and that's something that also like he does that with a lot of actors. A lot of actors actually come back for multiple films. Victor Wong is in Prince Prince of Darkness and and Big Trouble. And so is Dennis Dunn. Um, Buck Flowers is in three or four of his movies. Um, you know, Kurt Russell, of course, is is the biggest one. But you know, even I can't remember the actress's name to play uh, Annie in Halloween. Yes, um, it is Nancy Loomis, and yes, she, she's in both Assault on Precinct Thirteen. And then Halloween, I think, is one of her last films before she retires. She's and... in Halloween's 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think she came back in 3. I think 3, I think, was one of her, her last films, if I remember right. Uh, but yeah, so, like, he's has a... Like, I, I always find it a, a mark of a good director when, like, people want to come back and work with you. I, you I love she... that, too. And you, you end up seeing a lot of, uh, like, oh, it's it's almost like a cast thing. Like, certain directors just have a cast of actors that they're comfortable with. And, I mean, Nolan, a lot of the good ones do it. Nolan does it. Uh, Scorsese does it. Tarantino. Yorgos. Yeah. Like, they have, a, they have their list of people. I think it's a... <laughs> Rodriguez. I... <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Um... But I I do I love I love it when when a, a director and an actor trust each other enough to do more movies together. Rob Zombie, just anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Kate Gross. Burton, Ellis Gray herself as Margot Litzenberger. <laughs> who... No, that is a director I will fight a fucking tooth and nail for. Is Rob Zombie? Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I love I love white trash bullshit. Yes, and then just forced rape scenes for no reason. So you know what I want to do? Let me tell you what I want to do. Okay, this is what I want to do. I want to take a date to a movie, and I want to be like, oh my god, let's just have like a great time, and then just have several forced rape scenes in movies. It's gonna be awesome. Thank you, Rob Zombie. Yeah. Thanks. You're the best. <laughs> You're just, you're great. You're definitely going to get me laid tonight. <laughs> because that is the purpose of movies. <laughs> Jeff, if you want to get laid, this. go see a, um, of course, now my brain just completely farted out because I'm still not awake. Um, 
Go see a Luca Guadagnino film. You'll get laid. I, you know, I, will you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Go Girl, watch Moans and all. So I'll put fucking it Suspiria sexy. next time. Um, <laughs> yeah, really, really sexy is Suspiria. <laughs> Should be the one to do it. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, like nobody got... went to see that, so. <laughs> <laughs> Because they weren't getting, they knew they wouldn't get laid. Um, back to the movie. Uh, Susie Pye as Mao Yin, uh, Donald <laughs> Lee as Eddie Lee, and then Carter Wong, Peter Kwong, and James Pax as Thunder, Rain, and Lightning, who are kind of cool. I always think of them as Mortal Kombat before Mortal Kombat. They were Mortal Kombat before Mortal Kombat. That's literally who they were. Like they modeled the Mortal modeled Kombat off. thing out I there. Know. Yeah. I know. I actually didn't know that. So they they, they oh, inspire well. was Raiden inspired by uh, one of the storms. Yes, I mean that makes obvious sense, but that's cool as shit, and yeah. this makes me love the movie even more. I'm just <laughs> impressed that they're able to fight and be able to see with those giant hats on. It seems well, so. They're using the force, okay? Obviously, they're using the force. And then, uh, did you see the scene where they do the close up and there's like a literally like a half an inch gap between it? So they're basically like those shades that just have like shutters that's basically the same thing <laughs> which still doesn't seem conducive to fighting <laughs> Alrighty, so i we've been that's pretty much the that's the cast there you guys ready to get into the plot of it oh yeah not yes. that we haven't already all right <laughs> pieces of plot we haven't touched upon <laughs> yes um like we aforementioned uh we've start off with the debriefing where we meet egg shen and have jerry harden also known as deep throat from x uh x files not x <laughs> yeah i was like what <laughs> sorry i forgot to add the files part uh deep throat from x files we are learning that this is this debriefing takes pass after uh and they're inquiring about the whereabouts of jack burton after a Half city block exploded into green flames. And green flames. Yep. And we get our introduction to uh, John Wayne. Oh nope, I'm sorry, it's Jack Burton. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and apparently, according to your note here, Clayton, um, the Chinese characters in the main title translate to "evil spirits make big scene in a little spiritual state." Yes. <laughs> Honestly, they should have just called the movie that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would have really loved that title. If you're going to go long, be ridiculous. <laughs> um, we've got Kurt Russell, um, <laughs> the very heterosexual, uh, who is driving into Chinatown to do some gambling. Yes, and gambling with Wang. Yes, and he's... I had a nickel. (laughs) (laughs) You want to read off your note there, Clayton? (laughs) Yes, I said, you know, because I'm going into this knowing nothing about this. And I was like, oh, Wang is precious, but I won't be able to say Wang without laughing because penis. Oh, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, But Burton wins in their... Is it what are they even playing? Is it? 
they're playing a card game of some kind right yeah Yeah. and (laughs) they are gambling (laughs) yes and kurt russell wins a thousand dollars and wang decides wants to fight him for it and he's going to split a bottle in half which he does not do so double or nothing he's jack burton is now in for two grand but wang has to go pick up his fiance from the airport first before he can get the money and yeah this is <laughs> <laughs> and i love watching 80s movies because you're just like oh this is what airports used to be like dude it's so fucking funny gang kidnappings at the airport they're just having fights everybody's up there at the gate waiting for people and it's just like oh this is before the tsa went crazy this is fun 100 percent. yeah this is this is nice a nice pre-9-11 airport scene yes and it's you're just like oh i'll just walk you all the way up to the gate oh i'll pick you up at the gate like damn <laughs> you cannot do that now you know what I was thinking after Mao Yan gets kidnapped? I just really hope she peed after that flight from China before getting immediately thrown into a trunk. Yeah, that's a long flight, girl. Yeah. Yeah, she's been... Honestly, Mao Yan has, like, the worst fucking day. Because, like, she flies in, she's jet-lagged, like, been cramped on a plane, walks, like, I don't know, 80 feet, gets kidnapped, thrown into, like, a literally not even a trunk like i would prefer a trunk like give me a chevy malibu trunk like that's what i would want to be in so if anyone is ever going to kidnap me please make sure it's a chevy malibu i'm taking um, and then is like forced into a weird <laughs> marriage situation and yes it's just like she has well first she's sold to like a, a brothel and then so she's tied to a bed been kid like been kidnapped sold then taken by like kidnapped again (laughs) kidnapped again and then put under a magical mystical spell like should wang really marry her she seems really accident prone (laughs) yeah it's just honestly she's probably she's problematic (laughs) (laughs) i just love the idea that she just like finished up with all of this and then immediately went back to china and she was like fuck this fuck america (laughs) like like (laughs) thank you for saving me i love you if you want to follow me you can but i'm not staying in this shit uh but yeah so we are at the airport and we meet our gracie law um and clayton said it's so weird hearing her speak softly like that yeah i'm used (laughs) to samantha jones kim cattrall so hearing her like i'm I'm dating a man with the funniest tasting spunk (laughs) cancel my rice pudding Uh, but yes, I I know you said she's kind of white savory, but I do like Gracie Law. I love her righteous fury. I feel like she's just trying to do, she's just trying to help, and I love that she's kind of a better action hero. <laughs> she's kind of a better action hero than Jack is at times <laughs> because she's smarter than he is, and by a I lot. Think... I think that the flying meatball looking thing in the movie is smarter than Jack. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yes, that I love that we even... got a biblically correct angel in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, so she's here to pick up her friend Tara, who the Lords of Death gang decide they are going to kidnap. <laughs> also, Lords of Death is such a phenomenal gang name. Is it? That is such a good one. <laughs> 
but yes, so unfortunately, Mao Yin is taken instead of Tara because Jack interferes, and she was shoved in that trunk that we haven't mentioned. And they, Jack and Wang, decide to go, have to decide, they go <laughs> to rescue her. <laughs> They're all like, ah, man, you know, do you really love her? <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so they are following they are following the Lords of Death to go and rescue Mao Yin, and we have a large street fight, <laughs> which is of course after we've met Victor Wong. I just don't know why you would drive a semi in Chinatown. It seems impractical. It's all he has. Give him yeah, a I was break. Say, what's he supposed to drive? A bicycle? <laughs> Could it cost ten dollars? <laughs> Uh, development. that's one of our favorite my favorite quotes clayton likes to throw it in there every once in a while that's fun it's also <laughs> one of the best quotes from that show that is very true very true uh but yeah and i know we, you said it's impractical but jack is a hell of a driver like when he makes that immediate right turn and doesn't like flip his damn truck like <laughs> where would it him. flip there's not enough room on either side it would just tip <laughs> over like a few degrees <laughs> It wouldn't if it depended on where it tipped at. Um, but yeah, so we see the fighting Tong, um, who are the good guys. Uh, Hopefully in white. In, yes. <laughs> and they're at a funeral and they other people who come up are. I was getting they were throwing out a lot of names. I was just, I literally had the subtitles on. That's why I was like, literally, wait, the bad gang or the changelings? How many gangs are there? I feel like I'm getting hung up on this. Yeah, there um, are a couple gangs. Yeah. yeah. The Wing Kong are the other people. The Wing Kong are the, are the ones in the red. Um, and so, but it just tells you how evil they are because they are literally just shooting up a funeral. <laughs> like, dick move. <laughs> it's fun, but they do it in James Bond. Yeah, yeah. I get. I mean, apparently those are things. Uh, but yeah, so they start off with a gunfight, which quickly breaks out into traditional weaponry. Um, we get a Chinese playing... standoff. <laughs> yes, and uh, just so uh, in case anyone didn't question already, um, the note here from Clayton says, "Sean, I'm back to not trusting your picks," and. Uh, you know, honestly, I aim to please. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we are introduced to the three to the three storms, uh, which is thunder, rain, and lightning, who are Lopan's evil henchmen. Yes. And they are the ones that we the aforementioned. Well, why do I keep saying that? I don't oh. know. I genuinely don't know. <laughs> <laughs> who's the one know. who's had four dabs in the last hour and six minutes? Uh, that'd be you. But <laughs> it seems like it's Sean. <laughs> I was. That's what I'm saying here. Was good. I'm sorry. I'm tired. I've spent most of last night making potatoes, watching this movie, and I'm waking up this morning to make more potatoes. I'm exhausted. I've been doing. It's such an Irish thing. <sighs> it. I mean, my last name is Murphy. Um. <laughs> so I mean, I guess it, it fits. I just. I. I want. It's Friendsgiving. I want potatoes. Alright. <laughs> it's the only thing I can tolerate to eat on Thanksgiving, personally. He's just 
here with all these hot takes. Um, <laughs> all day, all day, serving them hot. All, all I don't often day. have hot takes, so this is kind of fun. That is that is <laughs> such a lie. That is such a lie. <laughs> Get her. Your takes are steaming hot most of the time. <laughs> I love this, Jeff. Do you want to? You want to be on every episode? <laughs> uh, only if we record not in the AM. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> this is a rare. Way. Usually, we only record in the AM if we're talking to people like six or seven hours ahead of us. Thank you for for accommodating me. I appreciate you. Um, well, Sean man. had friends giving you at a funeral. I'm just like, sure, I'll get up Friends giving in a funeral. Yeah. Yours is slightly more important. Um. <laughs> uh, but yes. Yeah, so, Lopan making terrible faces. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I was trying to remember what I was gonna say. Um, the three storms who were our uh, Mortal Kombat characters, or Mortal Kombat characters were based on. Uh, they come with their funky hats that Clayton can't stand apparently. They look cool. I just feel like they're super impractical to fight on. I mean, I feel like it'd be harder to put an arrow on someone's head with one of those. They're made of, like, straw. Yeah. I don't know. Don't put me down. I didn't do the costuming. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then we are really introduced to Lopan, our villain, who starts off this movie by creepily smiling while Jack Burton runs him over. But not sort really, of. because he's a natural possession. <laughs> and those faces, I really love the faces. Those are <laughs> one I of my hated favorite things. the faces. <laughs> I love the faces. It's one of my favorite parts of Lopan. I only wish that we could have seen the faces without the blue light, just like right pre-editing, because I think it would have been even funnier. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes, but he blinds Jack and... He and Wang run away, and Jack is just done. He's like, I'm going home. Keep your money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we do learn that the Lords of Death are the Aaron boys of the Wing Kong. Luckily, they get to escape, and Gracie Law comes back. Good old Gracie Law. So essentially, Gracie Law comes back. They come up with a plan to, they, to buy back Yao Min um, from a brothel that she has been sold to and we get to see kurt russell and his best nerd <laughs> his best nerd is actually the computer wore tennis shoes that he did for disney like a million years ago i just have to throw that out there all right his best weeb because <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely a weeb um but yes so we can we are just also... point out real quick i'm sorry to interrupt sean but even no, dressed uh, feel as free to interrupt still... at any point jeff bully your way in still very fuckable even dressed as the fake nerd right oh yeah <laughs> as long as you have heterosexual heterosexual uh you know missionary sex vagina <laughs> as long as you have heterosexual vagina yeah, yeah. <laughs> i how are, how are we feeling about those green contacts on Kim? Uh, you know, honestly, yeah, I think it looks fine. I, I think just Kim looks fine in this movie. And I mean, like, fine as in, like, foine. Not, fine. like, fine as in, like, oh, she's fine. Like, no, she's foine. She's foine. I mean, it's Kim Cattrall. <laughs> yeah, Maybe if I didn't I... know she had brown eyes and also, you know, the 
colored contacts back in the 80s are different than now but it just kind of was jarring to me every time i'm like ah oh i actually don't find it that bad even when they do the close-ups of their eyes later on in the film i don't think they look bad i also saw this film before my experience with uh sex in the city yeah when the three storms bust in to kidnap the mystical mystical hoe everybody freaks out i'm like this is san francisco like they've never had an earthquake before (laughs) not a mystical one (laughs) and also this seems like a bigger earthquake you would i feel like they would you would try and get out of the building especially why would you want to die in a brothel (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like a good place to die to be. I was going to say, that's actually my plan. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I just feel like if you're trying to live, like, you don't want it to be like, oh, well, he was found in the probable. Like, that is something you're going to have to explain. <laughs> Who cares about your reputation? Later. You're dead. <laughs> yeah. Also, you're probably not having a good time in life, generally speaking, uh, to be at a <laughs> sex trafficked Chinese whorehouse. So, you know, ah, just die. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Just die. <laughs> yes, but uh, unfortunately, Mao Yin is taken by Lopan's henchmen, and after this, they formulate another plan to go and rescue her from the Wing Kong uh, business, where Lopan runs his business. Back to uh, back to the movie. Wang Chi and Jack go to rescue. Mao Yin from the Wing I can't even remember what it's called now. Winking Walking <laughs> Wing Kong. Uh, I find that racist. <laughs> I, it wasn't meant to be. I just couldn't remember the name. The Wing Kong uh business. Uh and end up being they play themselves off as electricians and get trapped off trapped in an elevator. Yeah. That quickly fills with water. You know, typical elevator shit. <laughs> Look, so this whole sequence, um, and I know this isn't going to make sense because this is like the plurality of the movie, but this whole sequence uh, is just kind of stupid because I don't like the fact that for some reason this random warehouse in San Francisco is also the portal to the underworld. Like, why? Is it just because low pans there? I just, uh, all right, so I was pointing out my one or two flaws with this movie before I go back to the What's funny is that aspect did not bother me. Really? Yeah. (laughs) And honestly, I feel like, well, and so Lopan is supposed to be like thousands of years old. Um, He, I'm, I'm not even, like, I'm positive he built it on top of it. Like, he's the one that brought it there. Yeah. So I do think. Okay, that's a solid, that's a solid explanation. I like it. It it, it tracks. So like he was proceed. <laughs> he, he was he definitely did that. But they swim their way into this what is it like drown upside down room basically. Um, it's like the hell where you drown upside down. Uh, I don't remember what it was called. I almost wrote it down, but I figured you would write it down, and so but I thought it was a cool name. <laughs> never, never assume. Um, but yes, they are captured. And brought forward in front of Lopan, who is in some actually pretty good age makeup. It is good age makeup. I really hate it. 
Um, and one thing I, another thing I love about this is that Jack is such a smartass. He just does not know when to shut the fuck up and uh, yeah, just keeps I mean, antagonizing <laughs> Lopan. He is a oh, white guy and he's a trucker. Yes. No um, offense to truckers. I'm sure some of you are lovely, but. Um... No, no, fuck them all. All right. You know, <laughs> we need to take a stand right now. I don't give a shit that you're the reason that the economy stays on track. Grow up and stay in the fucking lines, Bert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, Hashtag Bert. fuck truckers. Sorry. <laughs> <Proceed>. <laughs> Always beating up yeah. queers in bathrooms, even though they're the ones in rest stops that are like wanting it's to get blown by. It's just sexual regressive yeah. aggression. That's all it is. They're just jealous. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just rereading all of these. Sean, you're no longer allowed to pick movies in here. Um. <laughs> And if you could see I knew our notes, you were doing notes after me, so <laughs> yeah. So I will yeah. say, finish finish my note. But I seem to be in the minority. I just looked at my letterbox mutuals. Yeah. Yes. Well, I did acknowledge you see my that note? I'm. <laughs> You're in the wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. I. I answered that back with this is considered one of John Carpenter's best by a lot of people. You like your whimsy Anderson y. I like my, my whimsy Carpenter y. I do like Wes Anderson. <laughs> I know you do. I cannot stay. I literally tried watching The Asteroid City and I was just like bored. To, I fell asleep. <laughs> I turned it off, dude. I turned it yeah, for my I favorite can't. film of the year. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I like, I know people like Wes Anderson or. Paul, is it Wes Anderson? Paul W.S. Uh, Paul W.S. Anderson is Resident Evil Anderson. Wes <laughs> Anderson is the whimsy Anderson. I just Damn roll it. my eyes every single time. Uh, yeah, I just, it's, it always feels like he's trying very, very hard. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, and thank you, because I always feel like the minority whenever everyone's like, oh, Wes Anderson movies, I love them so much. And I'm like, the only one I've ever remotely enjoyed was the was the Royal Tenenbaums. And that is, it, that is Wes Anderson, right? Just to make sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah for sure. That is <laughs> his best movie. Yeah, like, that is the only one I found remotely fun. Or... So that one's fine. Like Royal Tenenbaums is good, and Fantastic Mr. Fox is good. Uh, everything else, okay, all right. More like the Grand Budapest Hotel, am I right? Oh, yeah. the Grand Budapest Hotel is amazing. Mm, yeah, more like more like more like the the French shit patch. Am I right? <laughs> I did not more love like the French Isle of patch, flops. even though it has Timothy Chalamet in it. I'm still kind of didn't love it i wanted to love it i just didn't yeah just I just, just over i cannot i you like your whimsy whimsy like wes anderson and i am more of a john carpenter kind of whimsy <laughs> which isn't an adjective i would have necessarily put on john carpenter I will it's say another another positive about this. I agree with you, Sean. The set design is top tier. God tier. It's amazing, right? Like especially once you get into like where the like the the fight. I don't even know what you want to call it. Like the fight chamber where that that main area where the giant brawl is, and there's just neon yes. adorning every corner. It's awesome. Yeah. It's like absolutely. it makes no sense, but it does None. look cool. It's. <laughs> oh. 
I, you know how I, I always think of this as just like, Lopan is just like, you know what's really fucking cool? Those neon lights. Like, wrap this shit up in it. <laughs> like, I've been alive was, for 2,000 years and this is the coolest shit ever. He's like, you know what I'm really fucking tired of? Torches. No more fucking fire. Put the neon in. Uh, but yes, yeah, so Lopan essentially tells them his plan, which is in order to become a real boy again, he has to <laughs> marry a girl with green eyes and sacrifice her to Ching. You know, a girl sacrifice is really classic, honestly. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very progressive. She doesn't have to be a virgin. Thank you. Yep. She just has to have green eyes. Yeah. It's a very sex positive movie already. Doesn't have to be a virgin for the sacrifice. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> just one thing is green eyes. And also, I love the fact that Lopan just reads the shit out of Jack because he's like, you seem to be one who knows the difficulties between men and women. And I'm just like, oh, rude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, fair, though. Yes, um, but they are wheeled in their wheelchairs back up to a prison room, and Gracie, Margot, and Eddie, who we haven't mentioned, but is the maitre d' at Wang Chi's restaurant, uh, come in to help find them, and they are promptly knocked out in another trap elevator. Yeah, what's with all the trap elevators? Where else would you, I mean, the, honestly, this is one of the smartest things I've ever seen a villain do. Like, where are you going to fucking go in an elevator? It's true. Like, if you want to put somebody unawares, like, put them in the one spot where they can't go anywhere. You're going between floors. Like, most people wouldn't have time to react. That's the point. I love that he's like, this one will fill with water. This one, we've got knockout gas. Like, I wish we could have seen some more elevators just to see, like, what else he would do. This one fills with chocolate. (laughs) <laughs> Love that. i absolutely believe that like clayton would in the notes if they are if in some alternate universe where there are more elevators clayton would just be like why are there so many elevators this is so stupid yeah my note actually before what's with all the trap elevators was this is one of the dumbest things i've ever seen <laughs> i don't mean that as a positive anyway what specifically were you referring to you know i don't remember i think just the situation like just all of it up to that point it wasn't not like the absurdity of the way that the wheelchair moment. looked no i did have a moment that i really disliked with the wheelchair later but that was not it is it all right is it the one i'm about to get to uh when probably they yes escape, yes when they yes it is when okay they so i'm just gonna like <laughs> that guy just beat up kurt russell by expanding his chest Kurt Russell goes flying out of the room in a wheelchair. Could have just jumped out. Instead, he's just like, ah. And I'm pretty sure he would have just gone flying out of the wheelchair when it suddenly slammed backwards into the well. Um, it was just so dumb. And of course, the second he gets out, the wheelchair goes in. And I'm just like, this isn't how physics works. And at that point, I also put, I'm terrified of how much more ridiculous this will get. Oh man, have you it ever does get been in ridiculous. a wheelchair going backwards down a hill? Well, if you're scared of it, you could just like, you know, your center of gravity is also backwards. Yeah, I think you gotta like, like lean forward while you're. You ha- yeah, you have know. to. 
you'd have to literally throw yourself off of it. Or like, like I had two ants that were in wheelchairs on the floor, and literally you're gonna pull your feet down and then throw yourself f- face first into the stone. It's a pretty steep hill. Like it's a it's a, like they have to work to get them up it. And my, I had two ants that were in wheelchairs for their for my entire for my entire life. So so I've tried to go up a hill or and then take go back down like it is Sean has already myth busted this yeah like it's okay people that need to be in wheelchairs couldn't just do this but he is healthy he's fit yeah but like when like you're not like he's not still tied to it it's not like he's in an out of control runaway wheelchair it's not like yeah but he's going down a steep incline and his center of gravity is already far farther back so when you're sitting, you're sitting back like this. You're not sitting forward where you can <laughs> Yes, in this audio medium where I cannot see you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm expecting you to watch the scene in your head, jackass. Um, you were you you had the notes. I'm telling you why it works. Um, and you wouldn't necessarily fly backwards. How? Why would you fly backwards when you hit something? Like that's the whole point of having a chair back. It's supposed to keep you in place. But and it, honestly, he kicks that fucking thing into the well, though. I will give him that. Yes, he does do <laughs> he, that. He jumps off of it, and he's like, fuck this thing. So, that one I'll give you. That, that's not... He he did that one on purpose. But, like, the rest of it is plausible. Not super... Like, is it super plausible? No. Could he probably get off? Yes. Would he get off with some scrapes? Probably, definitely. But it is also... I would rather get off with some scrapes than, like, he can't see behind him. Than going at that speed and slamming into like a brick wall or something, you know, his head's gonna explode anyway. Some wily coyote stuff. Yeah. Yep. As we have already clarified, though, he's not the brightest bulb in the, you know. No, he's an idiot. That's the point. Um, but yes, they go to rescue Gracie, Margot, and and well, Eddie hadn't been put in the same room with them, so he has already escaped. So they go to get Gracie and Margot. Um, and we get more, get more hijinks with Jack. I, I like Clayton had a note in here that says, uh, <laughs> I wish I, he had accidentally shot somebody <laughs> while wildly shooting at the locks. Yeah. I'm like these cages. I mean, he's not like putting the gun right up to the lock. He's just like, I feel like I wish he would have accidentally shot one of these poor, poor sex slaves or something. Um, it would have been funny if he shot like Eddie. <laughs> yeah, just someone. <laughs> like not to death. I like Eddie. I think he's funny. But like, Lopan awesome. did really gross me out right before this when he was putting his incorporeal hands in in uh in girlfriend's boobs. She has a name. I you couldn't remember, remember what it was. Malian. <laughs> yes, Malian. He's a gross yeah. old man. That makeup really does work. Yeah. Also, at that point, I said, I thought this would at least have a bunch of cool fight scenes. And there's like 30 minutes left and I haven't seen a single thing. I was like, oh, cool. There it is. Wait for it. Well, (laughs) I did think a moment was really funny. Which moment? Uh, Journalist lady in captivity furiously writing. (laughs) Yes. I thought I like genuinely did laugh at that moment. <laughs> she did. Yes. I I like Margot. I think she's funny. 
Um, and then they all managed to swim out through a tiny <laughs> tunnel under a pool. Sure. <laughs> I don't know what else to call it. It's like a loading dock, but it doesn't go anywhere. The pool. Doesn't make any sense. No, it really doesn't. <laughs> what else didn't make any sense? Them kissing in the sewer. Okay, but like, that's an action movie cliche, which is something this movie is actually fighting against. So he kisses her, and immediately Gracie's like, hey, what the... She's basically like, what the fuck? She could like, They had a fuck just, later. Just thrilled to be alive, <laughs> is what he says. So, like, it's... it's The action movie cliche is, you, you know, you kiss the girl. And he does, and then she's like, what the fuck? Why would I do that? What are you doing? I just... I... I think this movie, for it plays against so many cliches, and that's why it's so enjoyable. Like, we'll get to it, but like even the dispatching of the villain, like it's not something you would expect. Like you're expecting like huge fireworks and stuff like that, and that's not what you get. So this movie kind of subverts your expectations on a lot of stuff. And God, I love callbacks. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the best because it's literally I mean, the first on. thing in the movie. <laughs> uh, yes. But yes, yeah, so they managed to escape. Um, another one of my favorite little funny moments is when they're trying to get out the door and he's like, on three, one, two, three, and then opens the door and there's a bunch of the of the gang members out there and he's like, we may be trapped. <laughs> Love it. That was funny. <laughs> like, that is funny. And then Wang takes out all of the gang members. They I know are we finally get to see Wang be a badass. Yes. Well, he's been kind of badass through the film. He's fought a couple of people. Um, but this is his real bi- first real big moment. Uh, but while they are escaping, uh, unfortunately, Gracie is kidnapped by... By a ridiculous monster. <laughs> yes, With by a... horrifying little toes that flop. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a note in here. It's just as it's little toes. I can't. But yes. So Gracie, since she has green eyes, Lopan decides that, you know, two's better than one. So he's going to marry both of them. (laughs) Naturally. (laughs) I get it. It's logical. Right. And so now we start we start our assault with egg leading the leading the group to go and defeat the evil people yes and this is when we do get to the big the big neon lined skeleton room and another thing i I really want to point out go ahead i just really want to point out that journalist lady refers to kim cattrall as all brains She's hot too. Yeah, no, she can get it. Yeah, she uh, she is definitely hot. But like, in from what we've seen of Gracie Law, do you think that Gracie Law would love to be called hot? Who doesn't like to be called hot? They already acknowledged yes, yeah. her brains. You could say like, she's got yeah, it but... all—brains and beauty. You know, something. I'm not right. saying she's all brains. That's, you know. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just legally blonde. And Kim Cattrall was not there for this. So. Yeah. Well, 
I guess. But no, like, yeah, yeah, because she was uh, kidnapped at that point. Yes. <laughs> and the women get no agency after that, basically. Thank God. No. <laughs> uh, actually, Gracie knocks a dude off of the, the platform. So she she does get her agency back. But they are under a trance. That Gracie um, can apparently just go in and out of as the plot needs. She's That's strong-willed. Because she's part white. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the yes. Caucasian the, just couldn't be handled. It couldn't. It, it wasn't going to handle the trance. The mysticism couldn't couldn't work on her completely. Exactly. Honestly, I just feel it's because she's such a stubborn bitch. <laughs> like she was just like, nope, this is mine. And then, unfortunately, uh, had another trance on her. She's um, a white before... female lawyer. You don't need to say bitch. We already did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and one thing I did want to, another thing I want to mention is their the costume design of their like wedding suit, their like wedding dresses. <laughs> the cultural appropriation they put Kim Control in. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, cultural appropriation is when you're taking another, uh, you're taking another culture, and you're not respecting it, and this is this feel like they put her in it but it doesn't feel disrespectful like Plus she's being forced to participate in an ancient chinese ritual yeah like she's not just like oh let me put on the pretty kimono yeah like <laughs> Geisha. not like some of the stuff they pulled in sex in the city <laughs> exactly that is culture appropriation this is not so much <laughs> <laughs> Abu Dhabi do. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I fucking hate sex in the city. They should have just killed all of them and kept Samantha. Back to Big Trouble in Little China. Sorry. Um, More like Mr. Big Trouble in Little China, am I right? Ah. Crossover. Crossover. <laughs> yes beautiful beautiful job um honestly i would love to see a knife thrown into mr big's head but he's already dead too so <laughs> spoilers uh, bro killed we, by a Peloton. <laughs> we didn't say who it was for yet um but yes yeah, so we have our big fight and unfortunately jack knocks himself out by shooting the roof and having some stone drop onto his head before the big fight can we just talk about this whole thing with the ladies being zombies and they give them weapons and then they just fly in the air and they're hanging from swords without cutting their hands like what did you not watch him float through a truck and uh astral project and 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 it, it, it's just it's it's the lower tier of, of crazy shit that happens in this movie. Yeah, like out of everything, <laughs> this is the thing that you're like dying yeah. on a hill for. Lowest, yeah, they're flying around, and then Lopan is and Egg Shen are having some kind of video game battle before video game controllers are really a thing. Oh my god, I <laughs> what did I call this? What did I call that? M- a magical thumb war. <laughs> <laughs> It was literally the the inspiration for Mortal Kombat in more ways than one. <laughs> yes. Clayton in here has a note uh, that says, Regarding the ornate Lopan marriage scene towards the end of the film, the whole set with the mouth coming down the steps of the escalator was very dangerous, James Hong revealed. It was a very narrow escalator, and I was on lifts, 12-inch lifts. All of a sudden, John said, We don't have time. We've got to do it right away. I said, Can't you get a stuntman? Like, get George Chung. He's my stuntman. And... 
Carpenter said, no, no, you just gotta step in. So, with that long robe, I tried to put it over the lifts, and when I stepped onto the part just before you go down, the real escalator, I said, oh my god, this is gonna be my last scene. It looked like I was fierce, but I was trembling. That's the way it was. Everything had to be real. Man, good old 80s, 80s filmmaking. Hey, Jeff, <laughs> did you name your dick yes. Needle of Love? I just need to know this. Uh, I mean, I would and now plan to, so thank you. You're welcome. That was what you called yours, Clayton. <laughs> nah. <laughs> just just ends it there. It's nah. Yep. Not, not gonna yeah, not nah. gonna share the name of my penis. We name our dicks. I don't have a name for my dick. You do now. <laughs> needle needle dick? Needle, no, needle of love. love. Yeah, there it is, yeah. Needle dick. <laughs> I'm sure it's lovely, Jeff. It's not a needle it's dick. Fine. <laughs> it does the job. It's utilitarian. <laughs> it's not supposed to be pretty. <laughs> It's fine. You got a pretty butt. That's all that matters, really. Yeah. <laughs> Thank your heritage, you know. Uh, but yes, yeah, so we have our big fight. Um, Jack finally j- rejoins the battle just to be taken out of the battle again. Once he stabs a guy in the in the in the stomach with his like knife through his boot and gets stuck in that position, which I think is also hilarious. He's just like, damn it! <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah they so just we... keep flashing back to him, and he's just either on his ass or passed out throughout the entirety of that fight scene. Yes, yeah. he's just completely. He's Meanwhile, completely Wang is just like flipping around like Lara Croft on steroids. It's amazing. He's matrixing. He is matrixing before the Matrix. He is straight up matrix fighting. Um, but yes, yeah, so they essentially they are starting to win. The good guys are starting to win. Lopan runs away with Thunder and Mao Yin. And Gracie, Jack, and finally Wang go back to... I was about to call him Yang, and I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) Wang Wang go to rescue her. And we have a little bit of a fight scene. And then (laughs) Lopan... I can't believe you're going to not mention the lipstick gag. It was one of the few moments that made me smile, even though it was too late. I do little, love the late. lipstick gag. Yeah. It is a great, it is a great lipstick gag. Uh, so essentially, Gracie kisses Jack in the elevator, and then he has her lipstick on his mouth for the <laughs> entirety of the next scene. So essentially, Jack throws a knife at Lopan, and Lopan throws the knife back, but Jack, in a great little callback, says grabs a knife and throws it ends up killing Lopan with a knife to the forehead. Yeah, it's very um what's the word? Quick? Anticlimactic. Yeah. It Which is, is but I think in a good way. Right. They don't fight around for it. Like they're like and that's another thing. It's a virtue expectations. You're expecting this guy to go out with a big bang. He's the big bad. Like he's going to be the. You think he's going to be this epic fight scene, and he just the buffoon ends up killing him with a knife to the forehead. <laughs> in a in a beautiful callback to something that happened an hour and fifteen minutes ago. Yep, it's all in the reflexes. And then Thunder, who had been fighting with Wang at this time, 
realizes that Lopan is dead and then promptly explodes. Yeah, that that uh, that I love that uh, that scene just because it makes no sense. He just gets so upset, he just explodes. But it man, makes the practical no effects sense. are so stupid and good, though. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is so stupid. I fucking hate it, and also gross. It is gross. It is gross, but I love it. The, like I said, the practical effects. I don't know who uh, was responsible for the effects on this movie, but it's in line with the rest of Carpenter's films. It's just solid throughout. John Carpenter was not entirely satisfied with Boss Film Studios, the company in charge of the film's visual effects. According to him, they took on more projects than they could handle, and some effects for the film had to be cut down. Richard Edland, head of Boss Film Studios, said that there were no difficulties with the company's workload, and that Big Trouble was probably its favorite film at the time, with the exception of Ghostbusters from 1984. The effects budget for the film was just under $2 million, which Edlin said was barely adequate. So that's who took care of it and their thoughts on it. You really couldn't tell. I mean, the effects in that movie, I think... Uh, I thought the practical it, effects were great, especially like for the 80s. Like Obviously, some of the optical stuff doesn't necessarily hold up, but for what it was at the time. But yeah, the practical stuff was generally great although i thought some of the monster stuff like did look ridiculous but you know that's this movie yeah (laughs) yeah i would i think it looks good i love it um and i think this is it kind of plays into the cartoony aspects in this film which i like is the death of thunder uh but yes we are essentially escaping lightning comes after them he is taken out by a statue <laughs> thrown by uh egg shen and in another one of our subversions of 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 an action film they get into the truck he uses a spare key and they manage to escape and gracie makes him stop for a red light <laughs> <laughs> which i always find is just funny because it's just it's so it, it's honestly you would you would just be like still on adrenaline like we gotta get the hell out of here she's just like stop at the red light <laughs> it's a i don't think it's anything go. that i've ever actually paid attention to that's funny yeah like he's just like go and she's like stop red light <laughs> uh but yeah so we are at our finish here um everyone is happy eddie lee who had a crush on margo is implied that they will get together mao yin and wang are reunited and look happy (laughs) um even though i'm sure she's just like pack my bags i'm out of this place and unfortunately jack decides to leave he got three thousand bucks out of it so he did get three thousand dollars out of it though yes they triple his money Mm. where were you gonna say something i don't know three thousand dollars is worth all the shit that he went through uh, I mean, I don't think so. but that's three thousand dollars now. It wouldn't be worth it, but back then, yeah, that's that was worth like that was worth like ten. So yeah. even then, probably not so much. But hey, <laughs> like, still gonna take it. Um, <laughs> Sean, I have a question for you. Yes. So in our episode on the big chill, we had a little bit of a conversation on the appropriate amount of time to move in with somebody, and get in a relationship. Kim Cattrall is like, yeah, I'll go with you if we get a little, like, room in your truck. 
And aside from seeing Kim Cattrall playing a character who wants a relationship that fast, being super weird after watching her as Samantha Jones for a million years, do you feel that they had had enough chemistry for this to be appropriate? <laughs> you know, I never moving took at that the speed as of being lesbians. serious. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never took her saying that as being serious. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I always took, I agree with Jeff. I always took it as she was like, yeah, we could definitely have fun. Like, I'll go on a trip with you. But I didn't think like she was talking about forever. <laughs> like, may, maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. Um, do do I think that they know each <laughs> other well I believe women and I took her at her word. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I will... I will go back to words from Sandra Bullock and Speed um, and where she says that uh, relationships built on stressful circumstances never work out. (laughs) So, no. I think, I honestly think that uh, I really do think Gracie Law would have gotten bored and I think the first time she would have had this bell discombobulate for him, she would have just been like, I'm out. Do you think you would have known the term discompopulate? Nope. That's why she would have had to spell it. So he could look it up in a dictionary that she definitely carries with her. And then she would be out at the next stop. I love that he kisses her when she didn't want it. And then she seemed to want it. And he's like, nah, bruh. Well, that's another subversion. There's no big kiss at the end. He's just like, Nah, I'm done. I'm ready to go. And he I just, got my fill. Yeah, he's like, this was fun. It was nice to meet you all. I don't plan on coming back. <laughs> Have a great Dear life. Dear God. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck this. I'm out. I'm gonna go see what Little Italy has to offer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With a little monster for company. While yes. he's spouting off more ridiculous trucker rhetoric. <laughs> Oh, come on. So mean to it. But yeah, so that is the end of our film. Um, do you guys have any final Thank thoughts? <laughs> I, you know, at the end, at the end there, when he's driving away, the the monster that you see previous in the movie is in a, uh, on the back of the truck there. And just another one of those really neat John Carpenter, you know, what's going to happen? Was it, what, what is it? What, what's happening? Uh, and I always like that a lot. Um, look, man. The movie's great. I I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's one of those movies where if you just sit down with a bucket of popcorn and a joint and enjoy this movie at face value, you know, look, that's accurate. That's about one every 10 minutes. That's fine. Um, Not every 10 minutes, about one, it's about two every, regardless. Yes, uh, it helps to enjoy the movie, but I think the visuals are phenomenal. I think that uh, Kurt Russell as Jack Burton is hilarious and charming and endearing. I think Kim Cattrall is serviceable and definitely different than anything else that she does in her career. Um, Dennis Dunn is definitely the star. We discussed that in this movie. But ultimately, I think even if you don't like this movie, it serves as a fantastic prequel to Sex and the City. <laughs> I Gracie will give Law goes from this. <laughs> Changes her name to Samantha Jones, moves to New York, and promptly... She was so fucked up that she had to go and take her PTSD out on the entire city of New York. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> I love this journey for her. Same. I think. <laughs> uh, what would you rate this on a score? Did you have any final thoughts, Clayton? Um, I have don't you? have any final thoughts on this. Um, Clayton is not expending any more thought to this movie than he has. Yeah, yeah dude, not like, even a little bit. To... Yeah, go for it, Jeff. Uh, a rating overall? Yeah, Damn, I don't think I've ever actually score yeah, of but... zero to five stars. Zero to five, I'm going to give it a four. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of personal bias in that. Uh, it's I'm my favorite you're movie. I'm giving it a five because it's your favorite movie. It's my favorite movie, but also, I don't know. I think that if you love <laughs> also film, you're realistic. You're, well, I think if you love film, you're able to say, oh, yeah, this is my favorite movie, but it's not a perfect fucking movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is not, it is not perfect by all means. It's not, uh, you know. I, I think it's a great film. I think it's fun and it you know, it scratches all the areas that I want an hour and twenty minute movie that's just gonna be fun to scratch and it has said again. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if I if I could get Kurt Russell to scratch my balls for an hour and twenty minutes, I don't know a better way to, to spend an afternoon. Oh, he's too heterosexual for that, huh? Sorry. No, for sure, one hundred percent. I'm saying if I could. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, I think we've already established yeah, if I could. He's extra, he's extra straight. <laughs> but yeah, I um, what about you, Clayton? Oh, this is a two out of five, and the only reason it got two stars was because Wang was damn charming. Wasn't he though? Yeah, those two stars throughout the entirety of Wang. it. And it's funny Wang is because spectacular. It it he goes from this one where I love Wang, like he's fantastic um he in the next movie he does with carpenter prince of darkness uh he is the most annoying fucking character <laughs> yeah so I, I love that like he goes uh, I, I mean he's not i don't love that journey for him i i mean it could be worse but like it, it's not i don't think it's his fault like i the character just annoys me for some reason like like he's it I don't know. We'll talk about it later when we talk about Prince of Darkness. Um, and since you're our carpenter guy, we'll have you on for that one, Jeff. <laughs> See, that's my thing. I, I think that uh, you definitely need to watch all of Carpenter's films to put it into perspective, specifically this movie, because it's fun uh, and you have a good time with it. Because I really do think that you could pinpoint 1986 as being the year that Carpenter just says, fuck it, and does whatever he wants like he's he's at his you know the, the studios are giving him a little bit more leeway nowadays and that's probably not a good thing but he's uh he's he's just fucking flinging it he's swinging it around and he's kind of doing all the crazy shit and it well, just but, gets crazier well this movie actually influenced john carpenter to go back to independent filmmaking because he he was disillusioned with how this movie was marketed and his <laughs> ended up having another flop and he decided that he he wanted to go back to independent filmmaking where he'd have a little bit more on the decision making process um so there you go. Just, just for my final thoughts and score for or my personal score um i love this movie i think it's a lot of fun i do agree with a four 
Um, maybe four and a half. Depends on how many friends are watching it and actually enjoying it. So I'm never going to watch this with Clayton again. Um, I, I would refuse. <laughs> honestly, it, you should always give give it another try later. Like, I will attempt this one day when I am extremely stoned. Yeah. Oh I yeah. Feel like like you wait till so we have the dab ring. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's do a dab. Like and Jeff, I will watch this with you. That's an honor. Uh, I'll take that. And and um, also, I, I think that uh, I'll, not to just step all over Sean's final thoughts here, but uh, no, fine. we uh, didn't even mention the score and the soundtrack to this movie. It's just yes. this oh, is the just score was fun. stereotypical, like cliche in the best way, Carpenter. Like it is just it bleeds John Carpenter and Alan Haworth, man. Mm-hmm. How'd this a, movie do? It, not well. <laughs> fucking shit <laughs> yeah um on a budget of 25 million dollars this grossed 11.1 million dollars um, massive flop and according to john carpenter it is 20th century fox's company policy to spend three million dollars on marketing for a film and he had one particular exec saying that they were going to have big ads and carpenter didn't see anything that matched that and even kurt wow. russell said he couldn't recognize himself in the poster image not entirely agreeing with because i'm pretty yeah, sure i don't agree with him. that i think it does look a lot like him i don't know yeah, that i've does. seen the original poster for this so i'll have to look through that when i'm doing the promo for this uh episode on letterboxd people uh agree more with you guys than me as we know we have mentioned this often the perfect letterbox score like if you know it's a perfect movie it's a 3.9 like it's really good but it's not uh too popular the letterbox score for this is a 3.7. Wow. That's actually higher than I thought it would be. That is insane for a movie like this on letterbox. Like, honestly, like, I don't under, I genuinely don't understand it, but I'm happy for you guys. I'm happy for John Carpenter. I'm happy people love this film. I just, it's, it's didn't work for me, but that's fine. Not every movie has to work for me. But yeah, letterbox 3.7, which, <laughs> you know good for I'm big just trouble honestly, in little china i'm just floored to the fact that you're able to use happy and john carpenter in the same sentence <laughs> yeah uh yeah <laughs> did you hear that yeah i, I did yeah. <laughs> not you i was talking to jeff oh no he when he was like yeah oh this yeah <laughs> we have to, this is what we have to deal with jeff uh What's going on with you? Do you have anything you want to plug going on? How's your club situation going? Where can people find you on the socials? Are you on the uh, socials? Oh, man. I don't personally have a social. Uh, you can follow Forgettable Productions on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, that's the production company right now. I am hosting every other week at a venue in Portage, Indiana uh, called Decibels. Uh, and I'm going to be in Chicago next month at the Lincoln Lodge. I can't remember the date, which is just perfect for a situation like this. Uh, <laughs> but I'm still pretty, I'm still pretty sleepy. Um, and then I will also be headlining that decibel spot, uh, in Portage on January 5th. So yeah, come out and see, uh, it's going to be a good time. Last oh, yeah. time I, uh, headlined that spot, I did an hour and 20 minutes and the last half I was just... About three quarters of the way through a bottle of Crown Royal, so it was a good time. Mm, good old Crown, Apple mm. Crown, and some Monster is my go-to drink. Mm. 
it was it was a bit much you know <laughs> but good times <laughs> if you want to find us on the socials the podcast is on twitter blue sky instagram facebook if there's a handle that goes along with a uh, social media thing you can find the podcast at triple m pod with three m's i sean and i are on twitter and letterboxd and blue sky i'm at just happy to see you number two letter c letter u sean i am murph the smurf m-u-r-p-h-t-h-e-s-m-u-r-p if you want to email us, our email is men who like men who like movies pod at gmail.com. If you want to email us your thoughts on something or suggest something you want us to cover. <laughs> Clayton, um, I have no idea what are we watching next week because this is like podcast number four of this week. Uh, All out of what order. Are we, <laughs> what, what are we doing? What is, what is, what is technically coming up next? <laughs> so the episode after this one is a listener request we're going to be talking about underworld we have talked about underworld crazy stuff what is time uh pretty fun conversation you have to check that out please don't forget to give us a five star rate maybe a, a review if you have time it helps so much don't forget to be kind to people. It's hard out there. It doesn't cost anything. If you do want to be kind and cost a little bit of something, you can donate a little to the pod. There's a link. We put a lot into it. Jeff, I'm so glad you came to talk with us about this this morning. If I did have to talk about a movie I hated, I'm glad it was somebody I love as much as you. It was a wonderful pleasure to be able to have a conversation with you guys uh, at this point. I On four hours of sleep before I go to a funeral... <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was an absolute blast, and uh, I love you both. Oh, we love you too. You were it was absolutely awesome, and I really want to have you on for more '80s movies because honestly, I just like to torture Clayton now. You do honestly, I do too. Bitch. I do too. <laughs> Jeff, you can torture me anytime. Uh, I appreciate anyway. that. Apparently, <laughs> Sean's not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> You've tortured me for too long. Uh, until next oh, time, everybody. You give it right back. <laughs> We're basically the War of the Roses, honey. Uh, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. <laughs>